filibuster is supported through Patreon by listeners like you. Check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. We also get support from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions for the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia. They handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. I watched the World Cup final, the ultimately successful, awesome, wonderful World Cup final at home with, with four my stars, family, my four wife. stars, <laughs> my wife and two kids. Uh, I assume by four stars, you're referring to the four of us. And that's very kind of you. The four of us, my wife, my two kids and myself. Oh, the four of us. I thought you were talking about. Never mind. Maybe I should have emphasized the four of us. I don't know. I I thought you were talking about uh, you, me, Jason, and our mysterious uh, fourth co-host, Reginald. R.I.P. Reginald. Pour one out, man. Uh, Or I guess I could have said Martin, but. (laughs) Also, pour one out. So we were... um, we were watching the game, and after Alex Morgan got fouled in the box, I pull Magnolia, my, my five-year-old, up onto my lap, and I say, watch, the USA might score and take the lead. And earlier in the game, um, we had pointed out the, the supporters behind the goals, and after Rapino scored to put the US up, Magnolia was really happy, and then she, she looks at me and says, that orange rectangle is not going to be happy, <laughs> which was very cute. The kids got very tired. Um, it was, you know, middle after of the afternoon. So it becomes clear that they need to take a break and go lie down. I take them upstairs for nap time. And uh, after a few minutes of them not calming down the way they seemed like they were going to, which if you have kids, you, you feel that feel. My wife comes up and says, Rose Lavelle scored. And I was just like, of course she did. I've been talking Rose Lavelle up to everyone who would listen all day saying she's going to score in this World Cup final. It's going to be awesome. And then I missed it. I was kind of sad, but I wasn't really sad because Rose Lavelle scored in the World Cup final, and that's awesome. So I kind of had the opposite situation of you. We went to, uh, me, my wife, and my daughter went to uh, Final Gravity Brewer- Brewery here in Richmond, Virginia. They were having a World Cup event, and uh, it was slam-packed, but... Uh, Lily did really well. Uh, just we got the only high chair in the entire brewery. Uh, we just were able to grab it, even though we got there really late. And she just did a great job sitting in it for most of the time. And I was going up to the bar to get another round of beers for me and my wife. And it was right when uh, Rose Lavelle made her run and and scored the goal. So I was like right as close as I could possibly be to the TV right when it happened. Nice. I watched the game at home. So neener. <laughs> uh, I didn't go anywhere. I watched it at home. You got to see the goal, though. I did. I got to see everything uh, that happened in that game. It was that good. Must have been must have been very nice for you. <laughs> and you haven't yet been washed away. It's true. Uh, I survived the great flood of Monday. Yeah. Same. Uh, I walked to work in the upside down and then had to go to another office a block away during the deluge, jumped over a, a, a torrent at the curb 
luckily downtown was not as bad as some other places. We hope all our listeners are safe. Um, serious for real flooding, flash flooding in DC and the surrounding area. Uh, it's Monday as we record this. So this morning, hope everyone's okay. Hope everyone's safe. Uh, hey, hey, welcome in. This is filibuster, the uh, World Cup champion and Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. They are Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com where we stand Rose Lavelle and right about DC United. Uh, tonight we are Despite that introduction, we are spending going to spend most of our time talking about DC United tonight. They lost in Dallas on the 4th of July. We'll see how much we need to talk about that game. And uh, they host the New England Revolution Friday night at Audi Field. Watch it on ESPN if you can't make it to Buzzard Point for that one. Um, we'll, we'll preview it in the second segment. Before we do anything, though, Jason, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I kept it real simple. I've just got my... Um uh, Patron Barrel Select Añejo. Um, that is the specific one for, um, uh, now I'm forgetting the name of the liquor store, um, Bay Ridge Liquors over in uh, Annapolis. Um, so I've just got that on the rocks and that's that's it. That's what you get for your state having more than one liquor store. It's true. Ben? Yes. OU of the state monopoly one, on booze. Yep. What are you drinking? I don't, I don't actually, I don't actually like the state monopoly, but I mean, it's okay, but it's not great. Anyways. <laughs> um, I was at said, uh, final gravity brewing company in Lakeside, Virginia, um, watching the world cup final. And on my way out, I picked up one of their beers. I got their, uh, Doppler effect, uh, new England style IPA in a crowler. And that's what I'm sipping on right now. Are you sipping straight out of the crowler or did you uh, pour it into a smaller vessel? Cause a crowler a- being a can, you can presumably drink straight out of it. I could, it is, it is a 32 ounce can. So it's, a, it's kind of big. Uh, I've been sipping on it all night and I've been pouring it into a cup. I guess I can accept that. Have it's not guys, as fun. Um, had an experience speaking of cans, the, um, I can't remember the, the term for it, but it's a, the kind of can now that you can pull the entire top off. What? I have not had that experience. No. Yeah. Um, my friend Kevin got a six pack of something or other um, specifically because of the different can, because he thought it would be cool. But uh, then he went it to isn't. drink it. Well, the problem is because you think, oh, the, the, um, the oh, is it very can- sharp? It's not that it's sharp that they've dealt with that, but your nose hits. So you can't drink it like out of a glass, but it looks like you can because it's a giant opening, uh, for a can, but it's not giant enough because then it hits you in the nose in a bad spot. It makes it awkward to drink. Um, I'm trying now to even find where he mentioned it, but I think it's gone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I saw the can and thought it was cool. Uh, it's called the 360 lid. Um is what they're calling it. But yeah, it's like a can where the entire top comes off. Um, but yeah, uh, he doesn't have like a weird face or like a giant nose. It's just uh, not compatible <laughs> with, with most head sizes and nose sizes. So um, yeah, apparently that's a one to miss. If you're looking at weird cans and thinking, oh, it looks cool. Apparently not so much. Does it need to be shaped more like a uh, imperial pint glass where it flares out at the top? Yeah, probably. Um, and now I'm just thinking about just to differently give your head space to get in there. 
all I'm thinking about and not your is, mental headspace, like your physical yes. head in space. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming you can drink this beer in many different headspaces mentally. Uh, <laughs> you don't need to have a specific mindset to get around it. My mindset is all about over-engineered cans right now. I remember when I was a kid, Coca-Cola tried to make a curvy can to kind of match their bottle. And it, it didn't work. It cost way too much money. And they mm-hmm. it, it didn't resonate at all in the market. Nobody cared about a curvy can. And then Sam Adams, when they finally started canning their beers, they like spent a million dollars or something in can R&D. And ended up, the only difference is the little flare at the top where the top of the can is and the lip and everything. The lip is slightly larger on the Sam Adams can. I think that's the only difference, that at least that I've noticed on their can. Mm-hmm. It is very slightly but noticeably different than any other can. Uh, I am drinking beer from a can tonight. It's from Three Stars Brewing here in D.C. Ghost IPA. Um, they're, they're white IPA. It's tasty. It's good. We've had it on the show before. Um, Jason, I think you've had it too. Yeah. Um, it's good stuff. Much better than we saw on the 4th of July when DC United went down to Dallas. And, uh, you know, I just, I I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Let's talk about the transition itself rather than the game. Uh, Can I say that uh, at one point I, um, I put the question out to Adam and Ben as to whether this game was one of those where we would have a shot of some sort of undesirable, uh, liquor. Um, I think the women's national team kind of, uh, has saved us yeah. from having to do that. Uh, so thank you to them um, because they yeah. did a good job and made us feel good about soccer. But this game by itself, I think was in the range of badness where maybe the if, shot of straight vodka would have been necessary. And if we cared about the current iteration of the men's national team, they might've edged it back towards straight shots of liquor, but. Well, if not them, then everything else happening at the stadium. Um, certainly. <laughs> Right. Uh, for those of you who didn't see it and haven't looked it up, two nothing loss to FC Dallas. Um, Lucho got a red card for um, I would say accidentally stepping on Paxton Pomacall's face, which is something <laughs> Adam, that Adam, you can do. Did you just hear yourself? I did. Which is I well, still say it was he. I don't think it was intentional. We'll talk about it later. Um, just a very 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 bad night probably the best thing that happened all night was wayne rooney had a red card rescinded after var <laughs> i mean that, in uh, theory he could still get it unrescinded that's true and lucho could end up with extra games just like um Pauli Riola did when he accidentally stepped on a player's leg and got a red card and, and marco fabian got the same thing uh, i mean i expect it to be an extra game yeah uh, i don't necessarily think that that's fair because in um, like in the case of Lucho, I had one person tell the site account that um, uh, Lucho could have easily pulled his feet up. But when you look at the play, it's like, is he supposed to fly? Um, he is falling because of gravity. Uh, he's tumbling over someone. His feet have to go down at some point. That's how gravity works. We have a solid uh, evidence that that's how things go on Earth um, and in other places. Uh, so there's nothing really he could do about it. But the the league has been very clear that this is how they're going to punish this offense, no matter how accidental it is. So um, do not be surprised if the league attacks on a second game. And so Lucho misses not just this game against the Revs, but I think it's FC Cincinnati after that. So 
the bad news uh, continues. So given how bad this game was and will remain in our memory uh, for as long as we allow it, is this a game that we uh, just burn the tape or is there anything worth looking at this game and analyzing and figuring out? Note that we're going to do that regardless, but should we just burn the tape instead? Uh, I'm never a fan of the the burn the tape idea. Um, there's always something to glean from a game. Um, I, I think maybe this is kind of the final, it, it's kind of a final piece of evidence that um, United doesn't just need one guy back or two guys back because Joseph Mora came back much faster than anticipated. Um played 90 minutes seemed physically fine. Um, but it hasn't really, his, his return hasn't, it's made the team better, but it hasn't made them. Oh, we're back to the form that saw, you know, the, the, the month of March look so good. Um, and so getting Ariola back from gold cup duty, which he should be back for Friday's game against the revs. We can't just assume that that's going to fix everything. Um, there are a lot Especially of other Lucho guys, out there. Right. And there are a lot of other guys on this team that are just not, really delivering and it's not you know if Rooney plays well and Ariola plays well and Mora plays well and Bill Hamid who is the maybe the one player in this game that that comes away blameless um if those four guys do really well you might beat FC Cincinnati because they're awful but other than that you're not going to win too many games unless the other guys that suit up the other um the other players that that get into the game they have to do a lot more than what we've been seeing, it's kind of an across the field thing. Yeah. And um, I feel like and we'll get into this uh, uh, as well in a little bit, but there needs to be somebody or a couple of somebodies in the attack who are on the bench, but are pushing for starting minutes. And I know Griffin Yao is pushing for starting minutes, but it, they need people who can, who are starters in other leagues or who could be starters on other teams in MLS pushing TT Rodriguez and pushing Lucho Acosta uh, for those starting minutes, because they've had uh, spells throughout the season that have been uh, less than impressive. And so the team needs people who can swap in at a level that's probably higher than what, Ulysses Segura, or definitely higher than what uh, Zoltan Stieber is bringing right now, what what they are currently providing, and make it so that there is competition all across this front line. It's not just a guarantee that uh, Acosta always starts. It's not a guarantee that Rodriguez always starts if they're not performing. Yeah, uh, and if we lose someone to the Gold Cup or to injury, we're not in a place where Lucy Segura is a right at an ink starter on this team, yeah. um, which I think has been a big problem. Uh, I, I don't know if the, everyone agrees with that, but that's been a, a sore spot for me. Uh, this game, we mentioned the, the VAR fun on, on red cards. Wayne Rooney tackled a player from behind and um, what was initially shown a, a straight red card I, I think for serious foul play, there wasn't a lot of violence in in his tackle. VAR overturned it. Um, the red card was rescinded, and he received a yellow, which the FC Dallas announcers seemed to think was was probably the right call. Uh, I'm I'm curious your guys thought on on that sequence. I I thought it was a red. I mean, it, I, I don't think there was enough to overturn it. 
And so I think it should have just stayed. I like if it had been a red, I I, I just would have been, yeah. I mean, it was so I, I I didn't see enough to overturn it. But with however VAR goes right now, I'm not gonna complain a whole bunch just because I'm a fan of this team and I want this team to succeed and they need Wayne Rooney to do Wayne Rooney to do that. But I think it should have been a red. The major thing for me is. The situation, it's one that Rooney, more than anyone else on the team, knows better than getting into a tackle like that. Um, it's a giveaway. You know, he loses the ball to Barrios at midfield, out on the touchline, like his heels are on the touchline that far wide. Um, United had plenty of players back. It's not good to have Barrios running at you, but um, it's also not good to need VAR to bail you out on a red card. Um, and there's also, there's just, you know, there are some tackles that are dangerous. This tackle, um, fortunately didn't really make a lot of contact. Um, in the end, it looked to me, there were a lot of people saying that he got, um, oh, his studs were up. First of all, his studs weren't up. Um, they're just on the bottom of his foot. He had extended his toes out further. Um, what actually made contact was the top of his foot, um, the, the toe box of his foot or the laces of his foot hit um, uh, Barrios's knee. Um, fortunately, not very hard um, because then Barrios would have been hurt by the tackle. It's also probably what made um, the decision uh, for um, the referee whose name is escaping me. Um, it, Was it Nina Sagafi? Uh, I think so. Um, but I think, I think that's why he decided to not, or to, to take the red car back and, and go, go to a yellow. Um, was that there was so little contact made mm-hmm. um, that it was hard to call it outright violent conduct. But at the same time, Rooney's tackle is at like above the knee height on Michael Barrios. Now, Barrios is a short from behind guy. too. Yeah, it's, it's from behind. Barrios is a short guy, but above the knee is above the knee. Um, you should not be making a tackle that high from behind anywhere on anyone, regardless of their height. And Rooney, of all people, needs to know better than that. I know he's probably just upset at himself for the giveaway and was just trying to make up for it with one big tackle. Um, but when I think he also recognized like how the game was going, we, it was it reminds me a lot of the LAFC game in which he was dispossessed and committed a really bad tackle that he knew was a red card. I think this one he thought wasn't a red just based on his body language um, immediately after the red card and then after it was rescinded. Um, but he, he, he also knew it was a bad tackle, though. Yeah, that's true. He did know it was bad. He he was like, yellow's the right card for that. It's it's definitely a yellow with some hint of red, I think is how he would probably characterize it. But like the LAFC game, United just weren't in the game. They were being badly outplayed, and he makes a mistake and, and wants to try to fix everything with one thing and just ends up making a terrible tackle as a result. And, you know, being competitive is good and wanting to win is good and taking that responsibility is good, but you have to, you do have to control it. And Rooney's only human, but uh, the, the fewer times he's in a situation where he feels like he has to make that tackle, even when players are back, the better. (laughs) Well, that it's just kind of occurring to me now that, Part of that might be the pressure that he probably feels because I'm sure he realizes when he looks around at the player's form right now that he has to hold an inordinate amount of responsibility to carry this team to wins right now. Um, And maybe he doesn't feel the same pressure if the supporting cast is offering a lot more. Um, 
And maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe he thinks, okay, I gave the ball away, but we're doing well enough right now in the defensive phase where we can deal with it. And maybe, you know, maybe it's a situation where he's having a hard time believing in um, some of the other guys that are out there uh, at this moment. I mean, I think there are two different times this season where he's specifically mentioned a need to get uh, better, higher quality players in, and he's not being mean about it, but um, he's also not shying away from this. Uh, you know, he's not going to do a um, thing where to the public, he's saying, Oh yeah, everyone's great. Um, he's been saying more than once now that uh, the team isn't quite good enough to do what to meet the expectations that were in place at the start of the season. Um, some of that's just bad form as well. Like, I think a lot of the guys that are out there right now are just not playing at the level that we're accustomed to seeing, you know, Russell Canals has had maybe a month where he's been fine, but he hasn't really been a dominant midfield force. Um, Junior Moreno looked a little leggy to me. Like maybe he was someone that could have used one more night off after his uh, Copa America. Um, Lucas Rodriguez hasn't done much of anything in quite a while other than win. I guess he does win a lot of free kicks, but that's been about it. Um, Segura is Segura. Uh, you're not going to get a ton out of him. He's never going to be awful, but you're not going to get uh, too many match-winning performances out of him. There's a reason he has the one two-goal game, and then that's pretty much his entire scoring output for the year. So um, I, I do kind of think now that the idea is in my head that Rooney is maybe making some of these tackles in, in games that are going poorly out of a feeling of pressure that he has to do something because the team is just not doing much else. The other VAR red card situation we already mentioned, um, Lucho Acosta trying to uh, get the ball off of Paxton Pomichol. Um I think there was another DC United player there. It might've been Segura actually. Um, Pomichol goes down and rolls and Lucho is trying to get the ball and ends up over Pomichol. Like the, the two just happen to intersect and nowhere else to put his foot down and not wanting to fall on Pomichol with all of his weight. His foot comes down as, as light as it could in the situation. Um, but obviously with some amount of force on Pomichol's face as Pomichol rolled underneath Acosta uh, initially given as a foul, but on VAR, um, given precedent this year, uh, Sagafi, I think is who we decided the ref was in this game. It is gave, gave Lucho uh, a red card for that and said in, in the post game that it was violent conduct, which usually does carry extra games, no matter what the circumstances are. Um, violent conduct usually gets you at least a, a two game ban, not just the one game. So as we said earlier, expect Lucho to, to miss Friday night's game against, the revs and also the next game against Cincinnati. Uh, we, we already kind of talked about what we thought about this call, but who do you guys expect to start in the middle without Lucho? We saw TT actually start this game in Dallas uh, in the middle of the park because Lucho was, uh, I, I think the reports were he was feeling, feeling ill during the run up, but he came in in the second half, almost scored right away with the, almost his first touch of the game. Probably should have uh, scored, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, if he does a little better with that, maybe this game goes a lot differently. Um, on the other hand, you don't want to have that. Thinking about one scoring chance that went awry mm-hmm. reminds me of the like 
the rough times in like 2015 and 2016, where it's like, well, Fabian Espindola didn't put that one chance away and DC lost the game to nothing. Um, we did that a bunch of times and it, it doesn't mean that you deserved anything out of the game. It just means you have an extra little um, uh, acute point of, of pain from thinking back to the game. Cause like, well, we should have lost, but we also had that one moment that maybe things could have dip- gone differently. That's anyway, go ahead. That's all correct. I don't have anything to add to that. Actually, that that was that was well stated. I mean, if Ben Olsen wants to stay in the four two three one, and I think he does, uh, I think it's TT Rodriguez to the middle and Griffin Yao to the wing because that's all there is right now. I mean, well, Paul uh, Ariola will be back. The Gold Cup is yeah, blessedly it, ended. Even He'll be back, it, but I mean, speaking of Junior Moreno coming back from a, a tournament who needed some rest, I mean, but uh, yeah, you're right. I, I don't think they can afford to rest Paul Ariola, so I think he'll be. You're probably right. It'll probably be TT in the I middle and Ariola leaves, on the wing. Yeah, that still does leave the other wing, whether it's Segura, Steber, or uh, or yeah, yeah. who, who yeah. congrats to congrats to Griffin on his first MLS start uh, against Dallas. I, I certainly wish it would have gone better, better. But um, your first start is always your first start, and that's pretty cool that that he got out there. I've been, you know, I I, I didn't really have to break out the free gif, free griff movement. Um, so hopefully he does get more time going forward. Whether he's in line for another start on Friday, I think is is an open question. I would rather see him than Segura in the the eleven, but I. I my hunch is Segura is the mo- more likely starter. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's going to be some mix of Segura, uh, Ariola and Rodriguez. Um, it I guess they could be. Oh, I was going to say, he, I was just going to say he could uh, drop uh, Rooney into the midfield and play Ameriqua up top, which he has done, I think what, once or twice this year, uh, oh, most uh, late in games, but yeah. it, it, um, it's, it's not a incomprehensible possibility. Yeah, I, that was where I was going to go eventually. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the the thing I will say about the the first trio, the most likely trio, is that we could see Ariola play at the ten again. We've seen that before as well. Um, <sighs> Rodriguez, it just did not go very well for him um, playing there in this game. And uh, you know, on one hand, Olson's got to weigh the possibility that that's might be something he needs to happen uh, down the road. He, he might need that because we might not, um, you know, Lucho might not be around for that much longer. There's a chance that he is sold for a small amount of money because this is the last chance to get anything. Um, so that's a prospect that we have to consider. Um, as far as Ariola possibly playing the town, I don't think it makes as much as um, we've talked about him needing to play on the wing. I think in, the research on DC's record with him. Um, it's more like if he just plays as part of that attacking midfield, because he moves around so much um, as long as he's up there close to Rooney, I'm not personally, I'm not pers- too concerned about where it is as long as he's up there somewhere. Um, it's not the conventional way because he's not really a playmaker so much as a guy running off the ball, but Rooney is kind of the playmaker anyway. Um, so as long as he's up there somewhere, that's fine with me. Um, but I will say that I do find myself kind of thinking that it would be nice to see United play Quincy Ameriqua and try and emphasize, uh, a high press style. 
um, especially against the Revs, who don't really have all that much talent playing out of the back, and uh, against Cincinnati, who just don't have any talent, period. Um, I th- <laughs> I honestly think that there there is something to that, um, that – Yes, Ameriqua is not as talented as as some of the other um, prospects to be in that front four, but um, he's never going to stop running. He obviously knows that side of the game really well. Um, he's always physical. And if you have him and Ariola and Wayne Rooney and um, Rodriguez, normally the last couple of games, he's been a little down on it, but normally it has been really good. Um, as far as his defensive activity and his defensive success rate, his ability to win loose balls and get get players to make mistakes playing out of the back is still pretty good. Um, I think you could get some results and and maybe just sort of jumpstart the team a little bit because I think I think they just need a couple games that go well for them and maybe um, being a more heavily high press team might sort of. Uh, give them a little boost that they need going forward while they're going to be without Lucho for probably two games. Um, I think it could get the wheels moving a little bit. And then you, you slowly shift back towards the ideal um, way of playing once you get um, Lucho back into the fold. But I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I hope it's being considered at the very least. Cause I do think that there's, uh, the prospect of it working against these two opponents is pretty high in my opinion. I'd be here for that. Um, I, c- I could definitely live with that. And I'm, I'm with you that I don't think it's probably going to happen. Um, I think we'll probably see TT back in the middle uh, with Rooney up top and Ariola and Segura on the wings, but some variation, whether that's Yao or, or Ameriqua coming in, I would be, Definitely, um, I'd be interested to see that. Uh, one more homegrown player that I think might sneak in for for a start in the coming weeks could be Donovan Pines. He came in as a sub in this game as a, a right back when Leo Hara was removed uh, late in the second half. Made some pretty acrobatic plays here and there. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> That stop that thing that he did to stop. Um, I can't remember whose pass it was that would have probably become three nil if he if that pass gets there. That was spectacular. Um, yeah, it was also, it was like, a scorpion kick defense while falling forward. It was yeah, he, with the ball coming from behind. Momentum. It was amazing. Like his forward momentum had sort of had to stall because he was going too fast. So he also had his like his left <laughs> leg was his plant foot, and he had to like use it to not just jump but also to change the trajectory and slow himself down a little bit he had he had to go from going towards Bill Hamid's goal to going up in midair and sort of back against the grain a little bit um and somehow he did that and used his other leg to to get a, a foot to the ball um it was absurd uh by itself it was like uh, we all know that Donovan Pines is probably the most athletic player on the team but to see him achieve something like that it's like what do you I mean, what do you even do about that if you're the other team? Like, well, if you're uh, Paxton Pomichol, you unleash a ridiculous rocket that forces yes. a great save from Bill Hamid. Um, but if you're the guy who made that pass or the runner, you're just like, you on, just man. have to throw your hands up, right? <laughs> you you see in hockey uh, when announcers will will talk about the hand eye coordination um, and almost magic level of it that it takes to to hit a puck out of midair he kind of did that with his foot while falling down and it was behind him and at a weird angle. 
I don't understand how how he did that. It was it was wild. But Frederick Briant was uh, caught flat-footed a little bit on uh, Dallas's first goal. It was it was a little bit of a scramble, yeah. and he just stood there and waited for the ball to come to him and got beat to the spot because the ball didn't reach him um, after a player ran in and uh, scored for Dallas, and his name is escaping me at the moment. Santiago uh, Mascara. Yeah, Mascara, um, which is a running theme where Frederick Briant is at least partially culpable for many goals that, that happen. And DC United doesn't have a lot of goals this year. Defensively, they've been really good, uh, at least as far as the, the number of goals allowed this year. And Ben Olsen referred to it last week too, saying that by, by some metrics, Briant and Birnbaum are one of the best, if not the best central defense pairings in the league this year. However, I keep seeing Briant uh, getting beat for for pace or or being flat footed on a goal. Um, he comes so close sometimes on offensive set pieces to getting on the end of it and putting it in, but not enough to make up for in in my mind for some of these mistakes. Do you guys think that Donovan Pines could come in to start in place of Briant against New England? I thought that. Briant has been actually really good the past couple of months. I thought he had elevated his play a lot more than he had than what he was doing last year. But yeah, this game was definitely not a great game. And I think Pines was starting uh, before he got hurt. A lot of it was in the three back, but he was starting. And I think he deserves a chance at this point because that game against Dallas was so bad that like things have to change. You even just for, to to shake things up. You can't just run that same group out there again and and expect things to to go better. Uh, so I think I think both things. I think Briant was was pretty good uh, the last couple of months, but I also think that Donovan Pines gets the start. I I don't think Olson's going to make the change just yet, um, but I think that the pressure is definitely there. Um, Pines in this game was playing right back, which I'm, I'm kind of curious. I'm, I'm, um, hoping to go to training tomorrow and actually, I'm sure that other people are thinking the same thing. I'm not the only person with this question. Um, but the question is going to be like, is that maybe one other role that you're considering, uh, for Pines, um, just to, um, maybe get him on the field from time to time. Um, or was it just, look, this game is lost. Hara, is tired pines needs minutes uh and there's no the the game isn't going to get any worse by putting him out there um in an unfamiliar position because he never played there at at maryland that didn't happen he was always center back um so i'm interested in that side of it but um i do wonder if we're we're getting closer to the point that he pushes ahead because um it, physically he's just got more to give than Briant. Uh, obviously there's an experience gap that Briant has that um, Pines is never going to match unless he starts playing more games. Um, but you know, this game, the, the goal in particular, it's just, it, it's one of those things that you see happen to a center back and you know why it happened. I mean, he's not as fast or as quick as Mosquera, um, but he's still got to find a way to either, win the race to the ball or at least get his body in the way so that Mosquera isn't making clean contact. Um, when the ball's coming in from Hollingshead, that's pretty much the one place it was going to go. 
was where it was put. So he should have been able to see that and get into this space so that, you know, as I've said a few times now, when you're talking, this is a, the, the second phase of a set piece. Um, when you're talking about winning those battles, sometimes you don't really need to win. You just can't lose. Um, and he lost. He just, he, if he fights that, despite having position and right initially had position, but if he fights that to a draw, we're not talking about a six minute goal, which is the earliest goal that DC has given up all year, by the way. Um, even going back to preseason. So, um, yeah, uh, it's definitely a big letdown cause he has been in better form. Um, but I, I, I don't think Olsen's ready to break them up yet. I think he is higher on the Briant Burnbaum pairing than most. So I think it might take a little while before it happens. Unless Pines is just, if he's in training and he's just head and shoulders, a better player, then there's nothing you can do about that. Um, but short of that happening and, you know, he's only been back in training for a week or two now, or I guess it's two or three weeks. Um, but if that's not the case, then we're probably, uh, a week, two weeks, maybe away from any real talk of that change happening. Um, whether that's how it should be or not is maybe a different thing, but I think that's how it is. In recent weeks, we've, we've talked about the coming, opening of the transfer window, which by the time you are listening to this episode will have opened. And it's possible that news on the player whose name I'm about to say uh, has, has come out. Um, Yamil Assad, it was confirmed. He, it's been announced. And I think it was actually, it, it might've been uh, black and red United zone, Ryan Kiefer, who, who, pulled the Spanish language tweet and translated it first, at least that, that I saw uh, do it first. He is officially a free agent. He is no longer under contract with Vela Sarsfield in Argentina. Uh, they could not agree on a new contract. And with the way his last year has gone, that should surprise absolutely nobody. Um, that means he's free to sign with anyone in the world he wants to. And when he had, with, with an asterisk. Months. Go ahead. Oh, I think he had six months left on his deal. So I, I don't think it was just they couldn't agree on a new contract for the upcoming season. I think he was still under contract. They just yeah. like they were unable to agree on his future. Yeah. Okay. It, the coach was not even including him in the 18. So um, he wasn't going anywhere. He wasn't getting any better. And I think it's clear that as we're going to get into that, um, there are plenty of interested parties, uh, including DC United, but interested, but not necessarily looking to pay the Vela Sarsfield demand. And so at a certain point, um, you have to do right by the play. They could have played hardball and said, you have to stay until the end of your contract and train with our uh, U21s or whatever. But fortunately uh, for Yamil Assad, he is free to go and uh, can pick his next uh, spot and probably get more money in his salary as a result of not having a transfer fee involved. So I, I said he's free to go anywhere in the world with an asterisk. In MLS, only one club owns his rights because MLS doesn't like it when teams negotiate against each other and raise the uh, the potential earning power of players, whatever you think of that setup. Um, DC United is that team because they uh, they they held his rights. They made an offer to try to keep his services. It didn't work out. He went after his loan ended. He went back to Velasar's field where he played, I think all of like 
20 minutes or something over the last season or the last half a season. Um, so the stars seem to be aligning in a way that would allow Yamil Assad, elite pressing defender, scorer of the first goal in Audi field history to return to the black and red. This is what we yeah. want. This is what we want. Like, like I said earlier, uh, T.T. Rodriguez needs someone to press him, and Yamil Assad would obviously be that person. I think it would be – I think Assad would have uh, not the step up – not the step up right when he got back because he need to get back into game shape, but he would have a easy avenue to – or a, a clear avenue towards uh, reclaiming the starting job, and T.T. Rodriguez would have to up his game in order to keep it, and I think it would make – both of those players better and give Ben Olsen a lot more options off the bench, regardless of what happens. So I have no personal reporting on this. I would assume that Dave Casper has made the call and is at least inquiring. And I hope they can make it happen. Especially yeah. now, since it won't be a, it almost definitely won't be a DP deal that brings him back. They could, pay him down with Tam. They could do a lot of things, but right. they won't have was, to burn the DP spot that they've will hopefully fill with Lucho Acosta, but that's, that's a separate issue. Right. For those keeping score at home, it was the transfer fee that was going to bump Assad out of the potential Tam range and into full on designated player uh, territory. Um, which United didn't want to do because they already have two DPs. And I guess they, one of them, they could have bought down with Tam potentially, but there's only so much Tam in the world. And they wanted to make sure that they had an extra slot available for Lucho Acosta. If they came to an agreement with him as a free agent, you don't have to factor in any transfer fee into um, his, his salary cap hit. So they're free to pay him what they want. Uh, and as Jason said, that might actually mean more money for Assad because they don't have to play budget games uh, to keep him below the, what is it, a million dollar or, or million and a half dollar uh, threshold Somewhere to keep around there from, from being a full on DP. Right. Um, and, you know, I think it's it make it would make a ton of sense for United Um I think once he got up to full sharpness, because like we said, he hasn't had any games uh, in, in quite a while. Um, but once he got up there, I don't think he would just be pressing uh, for playing time. I think he would be starting um, because Lucas Rodriguez, I think, is the more technically talented player. Um, but there's a difference between being talented and being effective. And he hasn't been effective very much at all lately. And with Assad, you maintain that defensive quality. Um, that high pressing quality, uh, but you're getting a more physically able player. And I think a smarter player that makes more of a difference um, in the attack, which D- DC needs. They need not just a guy who's good, but they need someone who's making a, a real difference in games, um, getting on the score sheet, all that stuff. It, it, it actually does matter. It's not just a, um, Oh good. He got a goal here. Um, you need, you need that. It can't just be Rooney scoring all the goals. Um, so yeah, I think it would be pretty much the ideal scenario. You don't have to worry about, um, him adjusting to life in MLS or adjusting to United style of play very much. It's not a big difference between, uh, what, what was in place last year. So, um, I know Olsen has emphasized that, 
Um, he, he made a good point um, that this tr- last year's transfer window, they had so many games left to pile up points that um, it wasn't necessarily an emergency to get someone in the first few, you know, the first week or so of the transfer window this year, they have fewer games by a lot at this point in the year. So the, the number of points that can pile up from here on is lower. And so getting someone in the transfer window early, um, I think he's already said that he kind of expects it to be the first week or so. So, um, we're recording this, I think like an hour and a half before the transfer window officially opens. Um, and it could be, you know, 24 hours from now, there could be something. Um, but one of Olson's points was that they don't just need people coming in early. They need people who are ready to go. Um, that might be a problem for Assad, given that no matter how fit he has kept himself, he hasn't had any real games. So that could be an issue. But at the same time, um, that's not going to be something that stops the deal. Uh, I think DC would be overjoyed to get Yamil Assad back. I think the fan base would be, I, I think the fan base not just would be happy, but I think it's kind of, it feels like something that the fan base could use right now because people are kind of down um, because it's been a while since DC's given them a string of games to feel good about. Uh, Pablo Maurer reported that DC United has been in contact with uh, Assad's camp. Uh, he, he posted that on Twitter. Apparently Atlanta United, despite all of their fans clamoring on Twitter for Assad to a degree that's even greater than DC United fans on Twitter, myself included, clamoring for Assad. The five stripes have not expressed interest in bringing Assad uh, back to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is bizarre, but um, I don't know, Frank DeBoer going to Frank DeBoer. Uh, it means one less competitor for for DC United. Or Again, though, DC United has Assad's rights in MLS, and but if Assad wanted to go to somewhere else, he could orchestrate that. They would just, DC United would get something in return. I would rather have Assad than whatever Gam or Tam, unless it, you know, if it's a truly obscene amount, whatever. But again, I want Assad back here. Um, he did yeah, really well put, last you year. Can't, you can't put Gam and Tam on the field. It's true. DC Some needs, people have tried. Some teams yeah. have tried. Uh, Cincinnati okay, well, tried. Yeah. Yeah, if you go up to a union game, you'll pr- probably see someone in the parking lot with a like a gam or allocation money jersey um, from one of uh, one of Ernie Stewart's uh, s- schemes from a few years ago. Um, but it doesn't work. It turns out uh, it's better to have someone who's good at soccer than you know a theoretical means to get someone who could be good. And Yamil Assad is good at soccer with that hot take out of the way we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back please stick around it's filibuster hey ben um you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment would you you can tell uh, me depends i mean well i should ask you i mean is are goats hostile uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious, in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. 
It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. A couple weeks ago, we did a Twitter box segment and had a question about what we want to see at Audi Field as as fans, or in Jason's case, as a member of the press, uh, in Ben's case, as a viewer on TV, to uh, to improve the experience. And uh, we we th- went on Twitter and threw open the question to to all of you, and and you guys gave us some of your answers. And I wanted to make sure that we uh, we we brought those up on the show. Um, we, we had talked about finishing the roof, putting a sunshade in on the West side of the stadium so that broadcasts can happen before late, late at night. Uh, so it doesn't look I, like uh, Michael Bay is producing the yes. uh, television broadcast. I mean, lens flare is fun in a very 2002 sort of way, but not for 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, Michael Bay disagrees, but well, he would. He's, he's often wrong. Uh, another one was activating some dead space in a concourse with with activities for families and kids. Um, we got some other answers from from people on Twitter, a lot of which have to do with getting to and and from the stadium, which you know makes makes some sense. Uh, Parasaurolophus, who's a, a frequent contributor to our Twitter boxes, uh, said that he wants better pedestrian paths from Metro. Um, if you've walked along South Capitol street, you, you might agree with that walking through Southwest on fourth street is, is actually not that bad. It's, it's quite pleasant. There are a lot of mature trees. It's nice. Um, one thing I saw on Twitter tonight as we record this, uh, is that DC, not DC United DC government is proposing to modify the route of the 74 bus so that it will go all the way down to Audi Field. It's currently one of the buses that goes up and down 7th Street uh, downtown, I believe. Modify it so it runs less frequently during slow periods, essentially outside of rush hour, and instead will go down to Audi Field. I, I know people in the transportation world who don't like this idea. I'm sure there are DC United fans who do like this idea. I have no idea if it's going to happen. It's a proposal DC has is apparently making to Metro to, to modify it. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, if you take transit to the stadium, it something that could happen. Uh, another, uh, another response comes from uh, James on Twitter at J Mauro 2000 who uh, wants to see basically leaving the stadium, see cars get less preference over pedestrians, um, which I don't think is something DC United can do. That's usually DC traffic control doing that's that. a good idea for all cities. Yes. Just in general. Uh, I am very strongly in the 
prioritize road users other than drivers in cities. Um, Let's see. The person who asked the question originally is John Lee at JT Lee 03 on Twitter, who uh, wants to see a usable video board on the South end of the stadium, because if you are in the supporters end, you are not able to see the screen at all, unless you turn your back on the, uh, on the game itself. And he wants to see fan first concession prices, which, Atlanta famously has and or a happy hour like we used to have in the champions club at RFK stadium. Uh, I would be for all of those things. Uh, someone else mentioned uh, having the TVs on in the concourse this year, games on flow sports. A lot of the TVs in the concourses haven't been on. And I don't know if that has to do with flow sports. I don't know if it has to do with the TVs being broken. I, I don't know what the, the reason or the cause is, but uh, it would be nice when you're standing in line. If you, have to stand in line while the game is on, which some people need to do from time to time. Um, it would be nice to be able to keep an eye on the game uh, through a screen. More TVs in the concourses, I would be for two. Finally, uh, Gregory Koch, uh, frequent, another frequent contributor to our Twitter boxes and uh, a Patreon patron. Thank you for your support. Says that the the Las Vegas lights have llamas come onto the field before games. We should have goats and llamas and ferrets riding goats riding llamas. And I'm sure you guys agree with that, but I, I mean, I that seems like a lot of maintenance and potential health hazards on the field. I mean, we, we could just like go super green and just have the goats take care of the the field and like trim the field. How do we think the lands? keep uh, the groundskeepers would would feel about that they when everything on the grass is so precision controlled from the amount of water the amount of daylight um the cut maybe it'd be grass, a nice it, really it'd be a nice it, it might be a nice home field advantage like you've got uh grass that's half an inch in one place a full inch in another place uh, it'd, it'd be uh it'd, it'd be something interesting it'd be different you never know. You could just trip people up on weird, weird grass sizes. Do you think that goats could be trained to, you know what? No, I'm not going to go into not it. Not trained, but herded. I'm not going to ask these questions. Damn it. We're going to talk about new England instead. Uh, the under new management, new England revolution come to Audi field. Uh, despite being just below the red line at the moment, they, they've won three of their last four, haven't lost since May 8th, which is before their new manager, some guy named Bruce Arena. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. I've never heard of him. Uh, that's, that's well before he took over. Uh, Jason, my first question is, what do we know about this mystery up and coming replacement for Brad Friedel? Uh, we know an enormous amount. Because he's been around forever. Um, he is, in fact, won multiple championships with DC United. Right. And and, and lost against Trinidad and Tobago in World Cup qualifying. And, and Galaxy as well. Um yeah. and, and had some success there. And um yeah, we know a lot, and he's not in his time between uh the end of his tenure with the national team and his return with the Revs. Uh, hasn't changed a lot and apparently is not really interested in changing a lot. Um, was kind of scoffing at um, some very basic uh, concepts of data uh, in soccer. Um, pretty much exactly what you expect from someone who's been around forever and does have a lot of uh, trophies in the past, but also hasn't done anything in a while. Uh, 
sort of like something out of a any sort of sports movie you would see you know, the old grizzled coach who believes that he knows best regardless of what's changed in his uh his time away from the game and that's that's where Bruce is right now so he is isn't always will be the Bruce what what exactly does that look like with the Rebs? We know Brad Friedel tried an all-out press system for a while. He tried throwing his players under the bus to see if that would make them perform better. Uh, obviously, it didn't. He's been <laughs> yeah. shown the door. Friedel took an approach. Um, there's an old Simpsons joke where the, um, the Simpsons had a uh, biker gang staying at their house. And one of the guys has a stain on his jacket and is trying to explain to Marge uh, that he can't get the stain out. And he says, look, I tried every thing. I tried yelling at it. I tried spitting on it. I tried punching it. Nothing works. Uh, That's pretty much the Brad Friedel (laughs) school of management towards how he treated his players. I'm sure yelling at it was uh, most of it. I don't know if he spit or or uh, punched his players. I don't think he crossed those lines. But screaming at him, yeah, I think that was pretty much all he had uh, was to scream. He yelled scream, at him. He scream. screamed at him. Um, he yelled at them. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the notorious, apparently they had to be at the stadium four hours before kickoff, all that kind of good stuff. Um, yeah, Arena has uh, probably to the Rev's liking not done that. At least not yet. On the field, he's a little bit different, too. I remember... Um, when he was with the galaxy back when the galaxy had more talent than any two teams in the league combined, um, they were a very much a one, nothing team. You had this team with Landon Donovan and, and David Beckham and even Robbie Keane, um, winning games, one to nothing weekend and week out. It was really strange, but you could bank on it. It was, it was kind of strange. It, it was, it was weird in several different ways. Is that the same approach that, that he's taking with a admittedly less talented rev side? Yeah, to a certain extent. Um, the idea is to be organized in two rows of four defensively, um, whether it's four, four, one, one or four, four, two kind of depends on personnel. Um, whether he wants to play Carlos Hill as a playmaker in front of um two holding midfielders or if he's willing to chance it and just go with, um, with one, uh, he's done both things. Um, but yeah, the idea is, you know, kind of, a it's a mid block, but it's on the lower end. It's not a bunker, uh, but it's definitely trying to invite the other team forward a little bit and then hitting on the break, um, with, um, they've still got a bunch of fast guys on that team. So, um, the idea is get in behind, get on the run and create from there. Uh, it's not complicated. It's actually um, one of the simplest schemes in the entire league, which maybe the revs needed. Uh, they probably needed somebody who was just going to make the game real simple on them and uh, to not be angry at them all the time, um, which is probably a big factor in their return. You know, I know their streak started before Friedel was let go, but um, they are playing better right now. It is though, as Adam points out, a lot of close games. Uh, one, they, they had the one, one draw under um, uh, Mike Lapper when he was the interim manager against DC. But since then it's, they beat the galaxy two one on the road. They had a one, one draw with the union. And then they've had two more two, one wins um, over Houston and Colorado. So they're finding a way to get it done. They aren't giving up a ton of big chances against Houston. They actually didn't really give up a ton of chances, period. 
um, which is an impressive achievement. But um, yeah, it, it's pretty simple. The roles are stripped down to the bare essentials. This is not um, Dome Torrent trying to teach a bunch of MLS guys um, Juego de Posicion. This is, look, we're going to play 4-4-2 and you're going to run in behind. So go out there and do that. Um, don't do anything stupid. Uh, that's pretty much the the extent of the tactics. So um, it's on it's on United to break that down because if you fail to break it down, eventually you're going to get hit with these counterattacks. And the Revs don't have Donovan and Keane running it running the counter. Uh, they don't have Beckham hitting the ball over the top. But Carles Hill is pretty good. Uh, Juan Agudelo is pretty good. Teal Bunbury is at least fast and and persistent. Um, Agudelo and, always does something against DC United too. Yeah. Ever since um, he was a teenager. Yeah. It's, it's been like that forever. So um, it's going to be a tricky game because the revs are in good spirits right now. They're probably in much better spirits than United is at the current juncture. And um, that's not nothing in, in summer soccer uh, that goes a long way that just feeling good about yourselves uh, that can go pretty far. So as much as, you look at the rosters on paper and you think, okay, DC should easily win this game. There is not a lot there for the Rebs. It's going to be a, diff- a difficult game. It shouldn't be, but it's going to be. So how do you game plan for that? If you're DC United, knowing there's no Lucho Acosta uh, either starting or on the bench because of the red card, how do you go out there to try to break down that four, four, two? For me, I think, being smart on the ball, not being not being as impatient as DC has been, is probably going to be a good idea. Um, I, I know the um, looking back at the Colorado game, they tried to be extremely heavily right sided uh, against uh, the Revs, um, but their plans kind of got undone by multiple delays, and it, it was just a really strange night uh, in Colorado. Their weather might be as as strange as it gets out here. We get our share of delays the Rapids probably take the cake on bizarre weather games uh, for the rest of the league. Um, but yeah, they were trying to get at Edgar Castillo. Um, the, you know, Castillo is not the fastest uh, at left back. And then on the the right, you've got Brandon by who is uh, developing into a pretty decent fullback, but it's still learning on the job. Um, so you've got some weaknesses there, but I think the major thing for me is that um, DC just needs to think the game faster at all in all facets. Um, I think if they're finding Rooney, whether he's playing as the 10 or up top, I think it's not, I think if he ends up drifting in and playing that 10 role for a game, um, we're not, it's not going to be too materially different from a normal game because DC's front four tends to be fairly fluid anyway. Um, Rooney is allowed to wander around. So I think they need to find him in space, uh, not in behind, but in spaces between the lines. Um, this being a standard, you know, two rows of four, those spaces are going to be there. Um, it's just a matter of seeing where they're going to be and getting to them first. Um, a lot of this game is just going to come down to who can think faster and United has not been thinking that fast lately, but they're capable, you know, the players that they're going to put out on the field most likely are definitely at their best, the smarter players than the revs, uh, you know, the guys on the other side, it's just a matter of actually doing it. And uh, that's really what my concern is, is not so much that um, the revs are going to pose a particularly uh, complicated question. It's just, are you good enough to break down a pretty basic uh, standard 
back for you know two two rows of four with a bunch of guys who are fast and and are confident at the moment. Um, it's not it's a it's a weird one because it's not complicated at all, but they're making it difficult on teams right now, nonetheless. We'll find out what happens Friday night at Audi Field. Kickoff is seven o'clock. Watch it on ESPN, not ESPN Plus, not Flow FC. ESPN. Um, if you can't make it down to Buzzard Point for that one, that does it for us tonight. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us on Twitter at filibusterdcu at blackandredu, plus our personal accounts, which are on the podcast bio. If you want to find us there, uh, download, rate, review, subscribe, whatever else you can do on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, tell a friend about us. When you go to the game on Friday, when you are at the bar, when you just find somebody screaming about how wonderful soccer is in the street, it happens. Tell them about this podcast. It might help make their day even better. They're having a pretty good day already. Make it even better. Why not? Uh, For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we'll talk at you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Rose Lavelle. Rose Lavelle. Rose Lavelle.